Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome to episode number 18 of Speaking from the Heart. Today, we are going to be interviewing Ivana Miranda. Now, I have to be honest with you. This was one of those interviews that was eye-opening for me because I got to learn so much about this talented lady who's been able to work on herself for numerous years and how she's been able to take her career to the next level. She has been the National Communications Chair for the Federally Employed Women, or FEW, and she's currently serving that term through the 2024 year. She has her Master's in Business Administration, and she establishes and maintains standards and plans relating to that communication strategy as part of that role. She engages with internal, external stakeholders. She is, by trade, a project management training specialist working in instructional designing, which she's certified in. And she has worked specifically with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, which deals with not just the normal things that you think of, which we talk about in this interview, but we also discuss the human resources, the finance, the sports marketing, the communications, the sales, and the entertainment. Mission critical does not equal boring. And I'm going to tell you straight up, get ready to buckle in because she is the most energetic guest that I think I will ever have. With that, let's go to the episode. All right, I'm with Ivana Miranda. Ivana, thanks for speaking from the heart with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for letting me be here, Josh. Absolutely. And for full disclosure for the audience, this is another Toastmaster that's been on our show, and I'm Woo! really proud. Yes, I know. It should be excited because I love having a wide variety of people that I've met through my Toastmasters experience be on the show. So for those that are interested, again, checking out communication and leadership development, this is how I've been able to interview so many different types of people. Check it out. I'll have a link in the show notes as to how you can get started. But Ivana, I want to ask you this to start out our interview. I have seen you have this high level of energy, which you've already demonstrated even before we hit the record button and doing our interview. I'm curious, what makes you so passionate and so energetic? What keeps you going each day? Joshua, what a question. <laughs> Just ask me some life-changing, life-altering question right out the bat. Thank you. Absolutely. First of all, yes, you have seen me high energy, over the top, wild and crazy. Woo, woo, woo. Yes. Thrilled to be a part of whatever it is that's happening. People generally invigorate me until they don't, right? I am probably right in the middle of being an extrovert and an introvert. So there are times where people energize me and I'm thrilled to be in a space where I'm getting to know others. I'm vibing Toastmasters, especially the ultimate networking machine, because we can get to know people of lots of different personalities, backgrounds, et cetera. It is very easy to feed off of that energy. It's very easy to vibe with other people and to empathize with different speeches, different experiences, whatever people are sharing. It is very easy to put yourselves in their shoes and to feel what they're feeling in the moment. So that comes very easily, very naturally to me. Now, full disclosure, I am not always this high energy, right? I actually suffer from a thyroid condition. And so there are times where I am completely 
the opposite. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Would you consider yourself an ambidextrous personality type then? Because you saying that you're both introverted and extroverted. I wonder how that plays together then as you have those different things happening. Because like you said, you're not always like this, but exactly. you have your days. I have my days. I have my moments. And honestly, the same day, I could be feeling very different things within a 24-hour period, right? There are times where maybe I'm doing a training and I'm putting out a lot of energy, or I just have something that's going on where I am using a lot of my energy. And then maybe halfway through that day, it's almost like I've had a cup of coffee or several cups of coffee. And then when that wears off, it is gone. And sometimes I feel myself coming crashing, crashing down. And that is when the introvert comes out and I need to step away, refuel myself, chill out, relax, step away from people and figure out what it is that I need to do to refuel myself. And that is something that I've had to learn over time for sure. For my listeners, I know that they have all these different things happening in their lives, too, with having a balance. And you're sort of touching on that a little bit. And the audience has also heard that you've worked for the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Do you bring that as part of your job experience to your fellow employees or your coworkers, I should say, have this experience with you? And what do you do when they see you in this sort of different space, if you, mm. if you like to call it. And do they help you? This is a very good question and a little bit tricky, right? Because a lot of times the introvert in us will pull away from people at that point, right? And so they're not necessarily seeing everything that I'm describing. They may see the fact that I'm not there, or they may see the fact <laughs> that I'm not on camera for a particular meeting when normally I'm full face in the camera. Hey, high energy, blah, 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 whatever. But there are times where I'm thinking, okay, this is a meeting where I don't need to show my face. I don't need to be high energy. I don't want to be high energy. And so let me conserve my energy right now. Let me take care of myself. And that is something that I've had to learn as well, because there was a season where I would have forced myself to perform just to please other people, right? And to kind of be that outfacing, happy-go-lucky person that everyone expects to see all the time. And so I've had to learn, don't do that, Ivana. You're going to wear yourself out. I have worn myself out trying to do that. I've learned from my experiences. And so I've tried to be better. You said boundaries and balance, and I'm still learning that. I can't say that I have arrived when it comes to learning how to balance myself 100%. But I am a work in progress, for sure. That's important for everybody to recognize, too. I love the fact that you call out the boundaries and the balance aspects of it, because a lot of us don't know how to set that. I know personally myself, I've struggled for a number of years, and it wasn't until the last few years that I've been able to understand that a bit more. Being that you're an instructional designer for the United States Patent and Trademark Office. 
Do you encounter these different types of personalities with people, especially as you are designing courses and helping even trainers for that matter? Can you tell us a little bit about how you effectively address those sort of challenges, especially with the type of work you do? Because I'm scratching my head over here right now thinking, how do you do that, especially with something that you think is straightforward? But that's just the misconception. Please dispel it for me and the listeners. Sure. Are you saying that you thought training was straightforward? What are you saying? What was straightforward? Yeah, yeah I'm saying that for many of us, we often think, wow, patent trademark office. It's pretty straightforward. What do they need to be trained on? And how do you make oh. it? How do you make training exciting? Because to me, it sounds like it's a bunch of boring and meticulous <laughs> reviews. Oh, Johnny Appleseed is putting in his Apple press. You know, how do you make that exciting for people that want to come and work? How do you get them started once they're on board? I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, first of all, let me just say, I am not here officially on any official capacity speaking on behalf of the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So I need to put that out there so that my communications officer doesn't come chasing after me. Hey, what's going on? I'll vouch for you on that too. <laughs> right. And let me also say that I have had lots of different lives and lots of different jobs. So yes, I'm a certified instructional designer and I have moved away from that into project management currently. But hailing back to my days of designing courses and really looking at how I can tailor a program specifically for the people I'm serving. I'm not necessarily trying to do that for certain personalities per se, but I am aware that there are lots of different kinds of personalities and that we all process information differently. I have to make sure that when I'm designing a course, I'm looking at, okay, who could benefit from this kind of activity? And am I missing a certain kind of person in the activities that I'm designing and in the learning that I'm designing? Am I hitting every kind of person possible, any, every kind of personality possible? And a lot of what I've done was in the virtual environment, right? We have heightened all of our meetings, trainings, virtual sessions have become really standard for a lot of us. I don't do very many in-person sessions anymore, right? And so... <laughs> As I was designing courses in the virtual environment, I had to make sure that number one, Ivana's trademark is make it interactive, make it high energy, make it fun. Ivana's trademark is high energy, high learning, make it exciting, make it fun, right? Just because it is learning doesn't mean it has to be boring. Just because it is work related doesn't mean it has to be boring. I love the fact that you can make anything fun, anything engaging, anything exciting. You just have to find the right activity, the right conversation, the right dialogue, get people talking, get people to relate it to themselves so that they can put themselves in the situation as opposed to just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that it sticks. I work with clients all the time that it's all about throwing the spaghetti on the wall sometimes and seeing what fits and what sticks and what does all those different activities. Because sometimes it's really tough to hone down on what particularly that person might be going through. They have a hard time articulating what those needs are. They might be struggling with what that professional objective is that they're trying to achieve. 
when you're going through and you're designing these sort of trainings and even when you're thinking about the people that are going to be taking it, obviously there are a lot of elements and you've already expressed a lot of those things. What would you say is the most important thing that you try to take the most attention to to make sure that people, when they're going through something, especially with that capacity, you're helping them to see what is ahead and what they can learn from that training or that program that you're designing? What do you do? This is very interesting because in addition to teaching adults, I also have seasons of teaching children in different other nonprofit capacities. And it's a very similar thing. You have to figure out what is it that I want the people to walk away with? What do I want them to be able to know or do after they leave that session, right? And it is very, very important as you're going through it to take a pulse check to make sure that they're really getting it. The worst thing that you can do is to go through 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, just talking at people and never getting a pulse or read as to whether anybody is actually getting what you're saying. I'm very big on or very much against lecture style, right? Where you're just talking, 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 and that's it. No, 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 no. Let's make it interactive. Let's ask questions. We're going to throw some things in the chat. If it's a virtual session, we're going to ask people to process and give me back something so that I know that they're understanding it. It's not just a matter of I'm talking and maybe people are listening and maybe they're not. Oh, no, no. We're going to make sure that people are listening. And if they're not, then I need to switch gears. Or if they're listening and not fully comprehending, then I need to switch gears. So maybe there's something in the way that I'm expressing it that should be expressed differently. We have to come in with lots of different tools in our bag, lots of different hats that we can take off and put on. It's like a magician, you know, whatever. We have all these different tricks and tools in our bag that we have to pull out depending on who it is that we're talking to, who it is that we're dealing with. So it's honestly the same for adults and children. That part is the same. In one of my early episodes, I actually did a monologue in which I talked about the importance of having the identification of all those different tools and how we can use each of those tools to our advantage. But I have to pivot because you are talking about tools that you have used not only where you've been an instructional designer, but at the FEW. I really want to ask you, because I've had the privilege now as of this recording to present at the annual conference in Columbus, Ohio, and got to meet a lot of incredible women that are transforming and changing the ways that government works and how they're advancing themselves particularly. First off, how did you find out about this organization? Secondly, how did you raise to the ranks of being where you're at now, which is the National Communications Chair? <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I'm really curious about this story, and I've been oh. really itching to ask you. Oh, Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. <laughs> if only it was one of those situations where Ivana aspired, Ivana was ready and climbing the ranks and all of that kind of stuff. No, no, no. That is so not what happened at all. So let me just say, <laughs> let me just take you back. Yes. I am a co-founder for the chapter of Federally Employed Women, FEW, at the United States Patent and Trademark Office. And so before that happened, before we had a chapter there, 
the current national president back in 2014 came to speak at our agency. And I was amazed. I had never heard of FEW or federally employed women before. She gave this really amazing talk about advancing women in the workplace. And I remember thinking, well, why do we not have that here at our agency? And so at that point, I decided we really need to have a chapter here at our agency. And through a whole series of things that I won't get into because we don't have time to get into all of that, but I was able to pair up with another person that worked in the same agency as I did. And we basically busted our butts doing whatever we had to do to spread the word, invite people to different meetings. Back then we called it a planting session because we wanted to make it exciting and fun. Be a part of something groundbreaking that's happening. We're going to start this new thing and grow it. Right now we're just planting seeds, but then we're going to water it and we're all going to grow it together. We had this massive think tank brainstorming session where we came up with the name, which was the Bright Nights chapter of Federally Employed Women. We started out with 22 amazing women that joined the organization at that time. And so we chartered back in October of 2015. So it was an exciting time. It was very high energy. Basically, the two of us had rolled up our sleeves and just said, this needs to happen. We want to make it happen. She started out as the first president. I was the first vice president. And we just took off from there. And of course, we both wore ourselves out because <laughs> you know how it is when you're a part of a nonprofit and you're excited and passionate and you throw yourself wholeheartedly into it. And not necessarily everyone on your team has that same level of commitment, the same level of energy. And so you're the one kind of woo, running around doing whatever it is that you need to do. And before long, I really got tired. I got very tired. I had become the president at that point. She had done her two years and then moved up to the national level. And I was now the chapter president and I was just burnt out. But I had to sort of keep it going. That was a struggle for a little bit. And so there came a point where I really just thought, yeah, well, once my presidency is over, I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> I'm ready to stop. I, I want to ask you about that struggle. When you were going through that, what brought you onto the other side to be able to continue to be a big part of the FEW? Because I, to me, hearing it, and I obviously, full disclosure, I'm sure everybody knows this, I'm a male, but I have worked for state government in Pennsylvania for over 13 years and continue to do so. And what I've learned from that experience is that we can all have empowerment by just giving each other the energy and the confidence to continue doing the things that we're doing for the public good. But for this organization, this nonprofit, you are doing things for the good of women and advancement and helping them to see the vast opportunities that are there in federal government. How do you crawl yourself back from that struggle and just continue to keep yourself motivated? Because it is surprising to hear you say this, and I'm quite shocked that you were kind of burned out as I guess the expression to use. Oh, I was. I definitely was. And sometimes you can't pull yourself back, right? I was still moving the organization forward as best I could, but I was personally removed from it for a season. Mm. You know, I kind of did what I needed to do. But at the end of the day, I was less 
personally invested than I had been in the past. And that did last for a good season. And honestly, what pulled me out of it was at the time, our regional manager, she took note of me and how I was doing. And she knew that I was a high performer and she knew that I was loyal and committed and she could sense that something was a little off. And it really helped me tremendously that she cared enough to enter into my space where I probably wouldn't have volunteered as much information, but she saw enough, noted enough, and cared enough to ask some questions and to really take the time to learn a little bit more about who I was and what I was going through at the time. And that made all the difference in the world. And that fast forward brings me to how in the world I ended up in leadership at the national level. It is only, only because of that person, that person who was the regional manager, who is now our national president. She asked me many times and I said no to her many times. <laughs> But at the end of the day, I wanted to see her be successful and I wanted the organization to be successful. And so I said, okay, there are things I cannot do. There are things that I'm not going to do because I can't kill myself. But tell me within these constraints what I can do. And we worked together to find out a plan that worked for both of us and that allowed me to serve on the national level. I want to give you a scenario to think about and talk it through with us as we're listening to your incredible story, essentially, of coming back and being really strong because someone believed in you, the national president. Is it okay to say no? And if you would have said no, would you have been happy with that, Ivana? For people like us, sometimes when we say no, we feel like we're letting someone down. And I know that for me, I've done that so many times and I have that guilty conscience afterwards that can linger maybe a few days, a few months, a few years, 30 years, which I have some of that. Oh, I me. get it. I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would have happened if you said no? Can you mm. tell us or walk us through that? If you could predict what have happened. Whew. Good, good, good question. Here's the deal. Let me say first. I am a recovering classic codependent, which means that for a long time, I didn't know how to say no. I didn't even know that that was a thing that I should do ever. Saying no was not even a thing for me. It just wasn't. I'm learning that a no is very crucial to my well-being to my happiness, to my self-satisfaction, to my engagement, to everything. The reason I said no to her wasn't an empowering no. It was a, I don't want to be bothered because it, it was probably a bad attitude kind of no that just didn't want to deal with any possible negativity that came with dealing with other people. I think we all go through seasons where that other side of me, the introvert that is tired now, my cup has been filled and overflowing with my people energy and I'm tired now. And so 
at that point, my no wasn't a real no. It was just me kind of sticking my head in the sand and not wanting to be part of the world I'm living in. (laughs) And that probably wasn't a good thing. And she said to me, Ivana, you have so many skills and abilities that people could be benefiting from, and you could really help a lot of people. And I hope you will reconsider because I could use you on my team. It wasn't a guilt trip. It wasn't a guilt trip at all. That's the beautiful thing about her leadership, right? She's inclusive. She's empowering and encouraging, but it's not invasive or overbearing. It's not coercive in any way. It was still my decision one way or the other, but you ask what would have happened. Oh my goodness. I would have heard things that were going on at the national level and Some of them might've been things that I thought, oh, well, they could have done this. Well, why didn't they do this? Or wait, well, what about this? And I would have been coming up with all sorts of ideas about what could happen, what should happen. Yet I would not have been in a position. I might've sent her a text message or an email saying, hey, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? And then what would she have said to me? Hey, well, that's why I needed you on my team. (laughs) she would have she would have definitely pointed it out yes (laughs) it would have been really hard I'm thrilled 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 once I stepped into the role and I thought I can create this I can make it whatever I want it to be and once I had that autonomy and the ability to create and I saw that for myself that was exciting that was a chance for me to yet recreate this other part of me to just make something new. I love the idea of creating things. I'm an artist at heart, but I've never been able to paint. I've never been able to draw, right? And so this for me is the ability to create something new and fresh and different. And so that's why I love doing it. I can see why you would love doing that, especially with the reactions and the intensity and the people that can capture that energy, that ball of energy that you have, that you carry around and helping others. And it's good to see that you take that time to be cognizant of it because some people don't have that ability to do so, which leads me into why you got involved with Toastmasters. Because I think all of us are looking to become better versions of ourselves, which is the main premise of why I even started Your Speaking Voice, the coaching business that I have, because I want people to be able to recognize that they have some inherent qualities that are lying dormant, and I want them to be able to capture that. When you decided to join Toastmasters, when you were thinking about even the things that you had to do as part of the process with that, Did you ever get the sense of, wow, this is going to help me so much with what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life, let alone even meeting people that would help you to be ambidextrous with your personality, being internally and externally just grateful for all the things that you do? Do you value that? Do you value that for others? How do you, in other words, process all those things that Toastmasters gives us, and you use that in your daily life. Well, let me just say first that I had heard about Toastmasters maybe in college, but it wasn't something that I was really focused on 
because I was a theater major. Okay. And so for me, I was doing lots of speaking, but it was on stage with a script. Someone gave me what to say. And so I didn't have to come up with anything. It was given to me. So that was a very different focus. I joined Toastmasters years and years and years later, only after I had been a stay-at-home mom. I felt like I had lost my confidence. I felt like when I was re-entering the workspace, I didn't know how to talk to people. I was very, very insecure and very timid. And I didn't really have a good handle on my own sense of self, my own emotions, how to express my own thoughts. At the time, I was going through a lot. That's, you know, that's just the short version of it. And my joining Toastmasters was an attempt for me to regain some of what I had when I was younger and able to perform on stage and speak in front of people and be comfortable with that. So that was my initial thought in the corporate sector and also in federal work. I needed a way to gain credibility, if you will. Toastmasters is well-respected in a lot of professional arenas, whereas a theater degree is not. <laughs> and so I needed a way to transition and transfer some of those skills that I originally had as a theater person. Okay, now I need to make them acceptable for the work environment. And that was honestly the only reason I joined Toastmasters. Now, since then, <gasps> a whole lot of new worlds have opened up to me, right? People told me in the very beginning, oh, I joined Toastmasters for one reason, but I stayed in it for the relationships, for the friendships. And I used to look at them like, whatever, man, whatever. I'm not here for that. <laughs> but I have met some amazing people and some of those people through the years have become some very, very good friends. And these are people that I would have never met any other way. They have backgrounds that I would have never connected with. And I think that's a cool thing about Toastmasters as well. You find people from every corner of the world with every sort of personality, with every background. It is the only organization I know where you can get, <clears throat> let me just say, people of every different political bent that you can find and we will still find common ground. Wow. And not hate each other. You know, there might be times where we look at each other like, mm, really, did they just say that? But, <laughs> but we can still call them a friend. And in today's climate, that is unheard of anywhere. That leads me to my final question as we're wrapping up our time here. What would you say to people? Now, let me caveat this. It isn't just about people in general. You can address this any way you want, whether it's for the people that you have been serving for the longest time, which are females, especially women that are advancing themselves, whatever way you want to handle this. What would you say in all the things that you've done? And I want you to really speak from the heart with this, because I think that you got a very passionate response to this. What would you say 
is the most important thing that you have learned in your entire journey that if you could, you could tell others that were that age when you first learned it, what you learned, what is it that you would pass along to them? Are we going back in time to like my younger self? Is that what we're doing? Any, any time in which you remember. <laughs> yeah. Any time in which you remember where that was like a aha moment and you wish that other people that are going through similar things are now recognizing that and you were able to tell them that. What was that one piece of advice essentially? Mm. No pressure, Josh. No pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> One piece of advice. I don't know if I have one, but let me just say this. Someone told me years ago that they thought I would make a good coach. And I thought that was really strange because I don't see myself that way. Yeah. I mean, I can be a cheerleader. I like to give people pep talks, et cetera, whatever. But I remember back in high school, there was a young girl who she was a few years younger than me. So I was a senior. She was a sophomore. And she needed some encouragement. She was a very shy person. And honestly, the funny thing is I was like this recovering shy person. And she asked me for some help and I just gave her a few tips. Let me just share this. I'm trying to figure out a way to tell the story without telling the story, but that's not going to work. So let me just say, <laughs> I used to compete in these pageants. This is like many lives ago, many moons ago. People found out that, oh, was she, Ivana was in this pageant and she was in the top 10 and it was like this whole big thing. And so this girl wanted to compete in pageants as well. And I remember thinking, wow, she's really shy, but she could do it. She could totally do it. So I kind of just gave her a little bit of a pep talk. I gave her a few pointers. I gave her an outfit to wear. I guess I did more than I thought I did. But can I just say, she came back to school the next week. And I said, Hey, how did it go? She's like, Oh, I won. I won. Like, wow. She won the whole thing. She thanked me profusely for believing in her, for helping her, for giving her the confidence to move forward. But clearly she had that confidence herself. Right. And so I think part of what I'm learning is that I was not able to instill the confidence in her. She already had it there because she wouldn't have entered the pageant if she didn't have something in her that wanted to win, that wanted to be seen, that wanted to be heard. But what I was able to do is to create a space where she felt safe to flourish and I could cheer her on. I could just be that positive voice that she needed to push her forward and I think over the years, I have needed that from other people. Like I mentioned, our national president did that for me on many occasions. She has been that positive voice in my ear to say, hey, move forward. You can do this. I see amazing things in you. And so in between that time, lots of Toastmasters have as well come alongside of me. Same thing. There was a point where one of my friends from the USPTO Toastmasters and federally employed women asked me to be the district administrative manager when she was the district manager for Toastmasters. And same thing. I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But it was more or less like, oh, what if it goes wrong? What if I fail? What if I'm not this? What if I'm not that? She's like, Ivana, you take copious notes. 
you are very detailed about things and you can help bring people together in a way that is just different. And I've seen you do it. And I would love for you to be able to serve in this capacity. And so I said, yes, I said, yes. And it turned out to be a really great year. I learned so many things and the need for each other, the need to accept that positive reinforcement from other people to understand that I need it and to be able to give it to other people. We can vibe off of each other. We can be that positive voice, that positive energy. And I think that's it, honestly. Ivana, you have made me rethink what it means to be positive in this world just because of that answer. And it makes me start to think about what I could even do today as a result of that. But nevertheless, you've been doing this consistently. Even sometimes we all fall down if you even admitted that, but it's about those people that pick you up around. I want to say you picked me up tonight by being able to share these words and speaking from the heart as you have. Thank you so much for being on this show. Thank you for sharing your insights. And for those that are interested and you are working for the federal government and you want to check out Federally Employed Women, I will leave a link in the episode notes so you can go check them out. Ivana, thank you so much. Thanks for letting me be here, Josh. Thanks for the invitation. It has been a pleasure sharing with you. Ivana is one of those individuals that I got to witness firsthand at a Toastmasters meeting. And being that I was a really experienced Toastmaster, I thought that I have met all the different types of people in my life that would be able to create excitement and value for me. And then I was proven wrong. And that's what makes this interview really special to me. And I want to thank Ivana. I want to thank her work with the FEW, Federally Employed Women, for being able to provide so many opportunities for women in federal government to learn professional development and network so that there can be a greater purpose for not only these ladies that are going to fundamentally change the world, which they already have, but they're going to be able to provide the high-energy, exciting fun that Ivana did during her interview. There are a lot of things in this that I could digest into a long episode in itself, and I might do that down the road in another episode because of some of the topics that we talked about here. But there are a couple of things that we often forget about when it comes to even our personal and professional development that I want to share here. And it's about the word or the phrase self-care. Ivana could have easily said no to the opportunity that she has now, knowing that she would have been able to lead a content life. And I know that I challenged her in one of my questions about that, and she handled it so well. And I really wanted to get to the bottom of it. That's why I wanted to ask her specifically, would you have been okay with that? Sometimes being okay with something is not easy to do, especially when we are saying no to somebody. But it isn't a mean no, meaning that it's not something that we are having some negative connotation. It's respecting the fact that we need self-care personally for ourselves in order to create opportunities down the road for others. Because if we don't rest, if we don't take care of ourselves by rejuvenating either through sleep or through alternate activities, 
or doing something else that will help us lift us to the next level, it will always end in disaster. My own story consists of that, working hard, long nights within state government, working hard for myself to make ends meet financially, really put a barrier between the people that I could have met, the relationships I could have formed both friendship-wise and romantically, and being able to have success in some of the things that often others think that is really important to do. Notice that the last part of what I just said is about what other people think that we can do. Because it isn't just about what those definitions are, it's about our own definition. It's about the definition of boundaries, of balance. Whether we are some sort of zodiac sign, even if you are a Gemini, if you're a Pisces, if you are a Taurus, regardless of what your sign is, we all know that sometimes that high-energy, exciting fun cannot last forever. Learning to say no when it's the most important is really a godsend. It's something that we can learn how to express ourselves in a more developed way. I work with clients that help to fundamentally see when that happens and when they can start to make decisions that are helping them to see what that bigger picture could be. It isn't just about lying dormant. It isn't just about the things that were hidden inside ourselves that we're trying to unlock. It's about the things that we're trying to express to ourselves and others that is key to that big picture of what we're doing. It might be about solving problems. It might be about having some fun along the way. But noting when someone is not feeling off and checking in with them is something that I wish that I had for the longest time in my life. I didn't know how to articulate that, and I would often contain it inside myself, thinking that I would be able to do it all. I am superior. I know what I need to do. I can do this all by myself. I don't need anybody's help. Why are you not talking to me? That attitude is what got me in trouble in the first place, and I'm still paying the price to this day. But I'm willing to be vulnerable about that, because some people don't know when that might become something that holds us back from our true potential that we can unlock. I'm reminded of so many people in my own life that have walked away knowing that they maybe have not been able to do just that. I wish that there would be other associations and groups of people that would be able to form together to create that bond. But, just like I've said in other episodes, especially when we think that technology is going to create and help us and create that value, it's been pulling us apart more than ever before. Our human-centric approach is being lost. Ivana reminded me during this interview the importance of having that human-centeredness. And as a matter of fact, she was one of those people that even throughout this journey that I've been on has totally understood the importance of me to have that self-care and has always checked in every once in a while. Ivana, thank you for taking care of me in my greatest need. It doesn't always have to look this way. It always means, though, that we have to be able to understand where we're currently at and always looking introspectively and outward. 
We have to be always tilting our head in a 360-degree angle, which is very tough to do physically. But if you move your body to the direction of where those opportunities are, it makes that pivoting much easier to do. It's not about saying everything that we need to do is important. It's about understanding in context what our limitations are and being able to focus on the things that are really important for all of us. And I think Ivana has identified that through her instructional design background and certification, along with all the women that she's been able to support because of her great mentors that she has as well. You can learn so much from other people that I can't stress enough that it can be a starting point for all of us to learn and grow from one person to another. If you haven't started to form those relationships or you have lost touch with those relationships as a whole, here's your chance. You can create that value. You can provide that boundary teardown. You can notice when someone is feeling off by simply asking them, are you okay? What can I do for you? You can do it in a personal or professional manner, and there are always ways to approach it. I work with groups specifically to do that because I realize that those are the barriers that often stop us from being able to learn how to become more expressive. But don't ever lose that fire that's inside of you, that high-energy, exciting, make-it-fun attitude, because just maybe you could be influencing someone from a distance, and he would have never realized it. Ivana certainly represents that importance for all of us to not only create that opportunity, but even if you feel that you can't, just know this. You have what it takes. Through all the energy that's inside of you, you can start to move in the direction that you are destined to be in. and. Even along the way, it's okay to take a rest. Thanks for listening to episode number 18 of Speaking from the Heart, and I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.